Welcome listeners to Sleep, Eat, Perform and Repeat. This is a podcast on high performance. It will be presented by myself, David Clancy, and my two co-hosts, Connor Gavin and Kieran Dunn. What we're striving to achieve here is figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why are they successful. Rate and review, share with your friends, but most importantly, enjoy. Welcome listeners to another episode of Sleepy Perform Repeat, episode number 46. Today we spoke to James Rankin, CrossFit coach, CrossFit athlete at Perpetua Fitness Dublin, and one who defines himself in his niche as a movement specialist. James sets his alarm at 4.45 in the morning every day. This guy works hard. Days involve personal training, his own training, classes, and then rinse and repeat. Listen to the passion and determination in his voice from his introduction to CrossFit in 2012 when he watched Rich Froning on YouTube smash some thrusters. In this episode, James sheds light on goal setting, movement screening, and his personal movement analysis thoughts. Gut instinct versus tech innovations in the industry. James tells us what makes an ideal coach, and on the other side of the coin, an ideal client to be coached. Thanks to James for giving a wonderful answer to what makes high performance, but also distilling his learnings and lessons from the years. There was so much to take away from this episode, from key themes such as legacy, desire, adaptability, and leadership. If you'd like more information on this episode or any of our others, check out our website at www.sleepyperformrepeat.com. Please subscribe, share, rate and review, but most importantly, listen and enjoy. Okay, so hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Sleepy Perform Repeat. Today we have the pleasure of welcoming James Rankin into the clinic to speak to us, who David is going to give an introduction to. So welcome listeners, James Rankin is a CrossFit coach at Perpetua Fitness Dublin and he very much is a movement specialist. I train there myself most days and I've seen him, how hard he is at training and how much great work he does with all his clients in a personal training capacity and also in a group scenario. So we're really looking forward to hearing what high performance means to James in a CrossFit capacity. So James, thanks very much for coming in today. Thanks for having me guys, looking forward to it. So tell us a little bit about kind of what are you doing these sort of days and kind of what's your day-to-day looking like? So day-to-day, quite a long day as a trainer. So it's a 4.45 alarm most days in the gym, either 5.45 or 6, either a couple of classes back-to-back or some clients. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I've got back-to-back PTs from 9 right up until 2. Get my training in around two o'clock with the guys in the gym. We always have a, a bit of crack around that time. And then evening times, anything from two to four clients again and getting them going. And then rinse, repeat, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And rinse, then try as much to take Saturday and Sunday off. Yeah. So so tell the listeners that maybe don't know a lot about you. When did you kind of get into CrossFit and know it was your thing? First found CrossFit in 2000 and. 12, me and some of the rugby lads at college were just into our lifting, seeing this thing on YouTube, seeing this guy Rich phone and do a bunch of thrusters, made it look easy. Thought we could try it, tried it, died. Yeah. Same as everyone. Googled CrossFit, where's the nearest gym, went and popped in, loved it. Uh, graduated about six months after that, then moved back home. Typical post-grad, I hadn't any money, hadn't a job lined up. As soon as I got my first gig, 
where's the nearest CrossFit gym? Joined that, and uh, that was five years ago now, next month. Six years ago, next month, sorry. Okay. So, yeah, six years of found CrossFit and have a look back. So, David kind of gave an introduction there uh, when he was introducing you as such, but when he says you're a movement specialist, why would you elaborate on that? What, what does that kind of, how does that differentiate you from other coaches? I suppose, especially in the CrossFit scene, like uh, a lot of CrossFit coaches, CrossFit in general might have a bad name. When it comes to movement, like the, the whole kipping thing and not focusing on form, more over speed and everything. And I, we in Perpetua, and me in particular, try and pull everything back and build from that foundation. So like, is your split squat good before your squat's good? Is your squat good before your back squat's good? And just building from there. And then even if someone can deadlift 180 or 200 kilos, like what can we do? Like how can we position the feet, the hips, the shoulders to make it 205 kilos, 210 kilos? And just find the minutia in the movement to try and develop it even more from there. Okay. And what what are the biggest challenges you face when you have people who walk in through the door with you and you're there with your movement eye on and you can break down the minutia and be really specific and you have that already, that library, that bank to call on as a resource. But when you have someone who mightn't have that, how do you, how do you work with people like that? So you just bring it back down to their level. So someone comes in and their their main goal is fat loss, which is such a common one, but so popular. Like People come in, I, I, I want to lose fat. And we start going through a movement assessment or whatever, and we discover that they, they can barely sit down and stand up properly. So they don't care that they can't sit down or stand up properly. They just want to lose weight. So I have to focus on getting them moving, getting them enjoying the session. But still, for me, I have to make sure they're moving well and better and better and better every session. And then communicate it to them in a way that they understand without hammering them going, no, that was rubbish, that was rubbish, that was rubbish. We need to change it, change it, change it. So just making sure then they enjoy the session and then over time they start to see the progress like if they couldn't sit down on a 24 inch box without completely collapsing on it but then six weeks later they can sit down on an 18 inch box and it's (coughs) super gentle and that it, it starts from there and then as they progress we try more technical things we clean and snatch if that's what they want and you remind them when they get frustrated, oh, I can't snatch 60 kilos. It's like, well, remember nine months ago, you can sit down yeah. safely. So that's kind of how it goes. And say if you have Connor who walks into you tomorrow, okay? Lucky you, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going in with Jamesy. And uh, and you have a couple of minutes to take him through a movement screen to ascertain mm-hmm. as to what level he is at for your session. Kind of what do you, here we use like functional movement screen and we use a couple of other sort of bespoke sort of models that we would look at for seeing if somebody can move competently. But for you, what kind of screens do you use for someone like Connor if he's going to walk into you? So I suppose it'll start with what's Connor's goals? Is, Is Connor looking to get into our CrossFit class? Is Connor looking to get better at the sport he's playing? Um, or is he just looking for one-to-one personal training for the next year and he wants to look a bit better at it? So depending on the goal, the screen will change ever so slightly. So if he wants to get into CrossFit, I'm making sure, can he squat? It comes up in nearly every class in some shape or fashion. Can he put his hands above his head? It comes up in some sort of, whether it's a wall ball or snatch, we kind of do every sort of overhead movement. If he's just looking for personal training to look better because he's got a wedding in 12 months, I'm not overly fussed. We'll work on it, but it's not priority number one if he can't get his hands above his head. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of focus more on just building muscle and looking a bit better from there. If he's playing sport, 
it's not my forte. I'll either outsource it and just say, I'm probably not the best person for you. I have no problem saying that. Or if I know someone like yourself, David, maybe um, who just knows a bit more than me, mm. and I can just say, I've got this guy, Connor, he's struggling with this and he plays this. Yeah. What do you think I should do? And right. then kind of build it from there. You might have to give up the darts, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's no, there's no one particular screen I'll use. It'll change person to person. This is a bit of a chicken and an egg question, but which came first, the coaching and then the interest in the biomechanics and movement or biomechanics yes, movement yeah, first and coaching? It was definitely, I got into coaching. I did my British weightlifting level one certificate um, and just quickly had a, a keen eye. I was able to talk to some good coaches up north um, and whenever they said something, I was like, yeah, I, I noticed that too. And I, I had the eye. I didn't know I had the eye. And I was able to go from there. And then as I realized, you're doing something funny whenever you snatch. I'm like, why are they doing that? And then you kind of go down the route of, you dive deep and yeah. rabbit holes of muscles and joints and insertions and everything else. Okay. So where's the future then in terms of movements, uh, analysis, not necessarily in your career, but where do you see the kind of the industry going? Is there, is there new tech coming on board to help coaches or is it still just going to be developing, getting that eye in? Uh, Good question. Uh, I see a lot of people use that, like those apps, Coaches Eye and whatnot. I, I've, I've used it in the past. I don't like relying on them. Yeah. I kind of trust me more than I, because as soon as you slow it down, it's different to, as you see it in person anyway. Yeah. You have one gut in instinct, but then you go, oh no, this. Um, I suppose technology could definitely play a part. There's people reckon it'll take over personal training anyway. I, I don't know if it will, but... um. I can't see us relying too much on technology for, for how movement works. Yeah. To be honest. Okay. Keep that retain the personal touch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'd like your I'd like your taking it as um as maybe a different different point of view than what we would have as say physios and sports med practitioners here. We see a lot of patients each and every day with kind of hip and groin pain, right? So kind of gradual chronic overload because they play soccer and they play ga and they play a variety of different sports. Now they're seventeen and they've got kind of pain and they don't really move very well and we're having to try to figure out what came first so like connor chicken and the egg so for for your opinion like is it sometimes you think it could be more that it's pain that's driving that that bad movement at the age of 17 18 or maybe it was kind of impaired movement early on that they didn't actually move very well when they were 11 or 12 they just were moving poorly and they couldn't really run very well and then that developed the kind of pain so is it like, is it the pain that could cause movement or is it more so do you think movement that can cause the pain? I just want your kind of opinion on that. Uh, funny you mention that. I've just started a course online and that was the, the video topic I was watching today. Mm. Um, so my opinion on it now is probably different to about six hours ago. I reckon, I could be wrong, I suppose, I think it does come down to fundamental movement first. Like if you can't put one foot in front of the other without getting full movement through the ankle, the knee and the hip, yeah. and you're walking a bit funny, maybe your one foot's turned out more than the other. Yeah. I think that not it's not going to lead to pain down the road, but it might, especially I think that the higher performance or the higher level of performance you're at, yeah. the more likely you are for risk with that slight abnormality of the foot or the knee or the hip or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. I tend to agree on that. Mm, nice one. <laughs> you talk a bit there about Sam, how you phrase your, your feedback to your, your clients mm -hmm. if you're saying, oh, try this, try that. How do you 
How do you, is that a conscious effort you make to be very conscious of the language that you use when you're talking to people and trying to get them to, trying to instruct them? Or is it something that has come naturally over time? How do you kind of work on that uh, side of it? It's something I definitely had to consciously think of whenever I first started coaching, especially one-to-one. In a class, it can be a bit easier, but one-to-one, whenever I first started coaching, I was very straightforward to the point. That's not good you're doing that wrong yeah mm-hmm. try this whereas now you have to read the person is it sally who's 40 something years old mum of whatever stressed to the hilt you can't just be abrupt with her you have to you can't tell her that's bad she'll have a meltdown and session's over yeah david comes into the gym and i see him about to break his back doing something like that. that's awful so yeah person to person it's something i, I did develop over time but at the now it's like once I know who you are I can kind of get a feel for it I, yeah. I usually trust myself and I know how to talk to you how about cues and language on cues is that something you you work on not anymore no, no. I, 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 I try and keep it as simple as possible so all my cues that my clients might disagree I try and make it one sentence five to maybe eight words tops if I yeah. can use one word even better yeah. Um, yeah and a lot of the time I don't say anything. I'll just move the part of the body that I want them to do. Okay. So if someone's rounding their shoulders forward, I'll just... Listeners, he's just shrugged his shoulders forward. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just puff my chest out and show them that I want the shoulders to pull back. And it doesn't always work, but nine times out of ten it will. Yeah. If it doesn't... uh, I can even touch them on the back and yeah, they know feedback. how to do it. Yeah, exactly. Now, we've yeah. talked a lot about, obviously, your coaching and we can tell you're passionate and you love to coach. Okay? Yeah. We can we can see that energy from you today, but you also train. Yes. And you probably love to train and kind of how, how does that kind of work when you're trying to marry the two and kind of what are you aiming for as a as a trainer, an individual trying to stay fit, stay healthy as a CrossFit athlete? Uh, there's a constant battle <laughs> between wanting to be coach first or athlete first. And I, I think I've kind of over the last six to 12 months realized I'm coach first, athlete second. I'm not, <clears throat> pardon me, any sort of elite level CrossFitter. I can hold my own in certain elements of the sport, um, but I'm never going to make it to, you'll love to hear me say this, I'll never even be the same level as Owen, like he's been to regionals and whatnot. Uh, and I, I accept that I'm not there. With regards to balancing it with my coaching, good question. Last week was my busiest week coaching-wise ever. I had to message my coach and say, I haven't got time to commit to more than an hour training per day for five days. Whereas this week, I've kind of, what they say, Thursday, I've already put in about six hours training this week. Mm-hmm. So I can get a double session here or a yeah. double session there. Um, but finding the balance is definitely hard, especially as I get busier and busier as a coach. Um, but the priority is always going to be clients and then just maintaining kind of where I'm at. Well, it's a testament to you, obviously, being a good coach, right, that you're getting busier. But And you also still have your own coach, though, to, that helps bring you through your own program. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, I've tried being my own coach before, yeah. and what tends to happen is I only do the things I want to do. And while I know I'm not going to perform at a huge level in CrossFit, I, I still want to compete. I love to compete. It's, like, it's just something I've always loved. Um, is is winning or trying to win at least. So, if I want to do okay at CrossFit competitions, I I need someone to go. Well, you're doing this, 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 and this. Otherwise, I'll pick the same ten yeah. movements that I like to do over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. So, as a again back to the coaching side of things, 
to a degree you're a, well you're a role model or you're a leader to each client who comes in because you're trying to show them what to do yeah. how do you what are your thoughts on what makes that uh, kind of effective how do you kind of optimize your your leadership qualities to your clients or your leadership qualities to other staff in the gym is that something that you try and focus on or are you just do you try and develop the non say we would call it clinical skills, the non-clinical stuff. Do you try and develop that non-clinical stuff, those intangibles like leadership, role model, that kind yeah, of stuff the, in your work? I'd look into that stuff a lot, like my mindset and how to talk to people. And I, I, I try and do as much just leading by example. Um, if it means whenever I'm taking a personal training client and one of the boys comes over and talks to me, like I'm never going to ignore him, but I'm going to get to the point of it and then go straight back to the client and hope that they treat clients the same way or taking class or whatever it is. Um, I don't put a lot of effort into it, to be honest. I, I put most of my effort into improving my coaching and learning from different people. Okay. So besides CrossFit, okay, <laughs> there there must be a world outside of CrossFit coaching. What else does James Rankin do to, to come away from it, to get that mindset refreshed and re-energized and reinvigorated to come back and give his own because you give your own and your everything you have every single day what else do you do uh it's it's watching sports it's football rugby gaelic um the afl if it's ever on at a reasonable hour and generally socializing like just spending time with friends family when i'm home uh members in the gym outside of the gym too often in the pub watching sports but uh yeah it, it's spending time with friends family and and my girlfriend okay how important is that balance huge it yeah. can't be overemphasized because i've tried the whole work 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 thing like whenever i first started coaching it was a part-time thing where i did it in the morning or the evening or both and tried to train on top of that and tried to work a nine to five just in a cafe even on top of that and it it gets to the weekend and you're drained. You can't do anything. You don't want to see anyone. You get invited for a birthday drinks or whatever. It doesn't happen. So I'm something I preach to my clients too. Like going to the gym is hugely important. Like I think everyone should definitely do it or find something that they enjoy. But getting out of the gym and being with people or being outside on your own or whatever that is for you to help reset the batteries, I think it's so, so important, yeah. I have to say we're all very lucky, the three of us, because we get to spend time with people each and every day. We're always interacting and communicating, yeah. and it's great to be able to be in sort of fortunate positions like that. Let's talk for a minute that um, you've been in a scenario, maybe maybe in the gym or outside the gym, and something hasn't quite gone to plan, right? You've suffered some sort of setback, or you, you have to kind of mentally re reset. What what do you do? How do you kind of get get that edge back? It's uh, probably something that's happened recently enough with me too, um, without getting into detail, just being able to take five, 10 minutes to myself and just have the conversation in my head of, yeah, you've had a bad day, you've had a bad whatever, um, but you've got either paying members now in class or a paying client who expects nothing from the best from me. So, I try and put myself in their shoes mm. and and try and give them my all then. And it's only an hour or maybe two hours or three hours at most back to back. And then I can come back to it and, and sort whatever whatever the issues are at myself then. Okay. I've got a question, two pronged for you. Cool. Um, 
you you you've you're a coach and you get coached as a as an athlete we'll say so what are the the three or four key components in your mind that make an ideal coach and what are the three or four components in your mind that makes an ideal client or somebody to be coached cool uh for an ideal coach i suppose it depends on the client so yeah. so the way i coach my clients is obviously very hands-on yeah um the way i get coached by my coach is very passive he sends me my training at the start of the week if i have any issues i message him about it i fill in feedback on what i've done but other than that there's very very little communication he reads exactly what i did i'll leave comments like say it's five sets of two squats build up to a heavy or whatever i'll say what it is if it was good for me how i felt about it if it was bad for me why i felt it went bad and then if we're building on that week on week he can adjust from there um but then obviously other clients like the ones i work with need that instant feedback cues corrections like you mentioned yeah. whereas I, I don't get much of that so I suppose what makes a good coach it's going to vary in in my position it's someone who's attentive caring knowledgeable um, is three enough three is fine i think there yeah. are three go to yeah, yeah. Someone, yeah. someone who cares someone who pays attention someone who knows what they're talking about okay and then from the the, the athlete point of view what makes a good client yeah um, someone who's compliant Someone who's willing to learn and probably someone who asks questions. I think my favorite clients are the ones who, in a way where they want to understand and they're not just questioning you. Yeah. Like to see if you know enough, but they're like, why are we doing this? What ways is going to help me? And they really want to learn. I think uh, those are always going to be the people that get the best results. Asking the why. Exactly the why. So, so CrossFit has evolved dramatically, right? Rich Froning, yeah, you know, but prior to him and even now when we're seeing Matt Fraser and we've just seen the kind of, the sort of numbers that these guys put out, it's just ridiculous how, how much the game evolves year to year. What's going to happen to the, to the sport in the next five years? What are we going to see? What's the next big thing? Or is it just going to be much of the same? Numbers continue to go up? People get better in less, in less time? What's the next big thing in um. CrossFit? I think for another couple of years, numbers will still go up. Uh, then they tried to do a thing a few years ago called Grid, the Grid League. Did you ever hear of it? it no. It was like CrossFit racing. Like it was very, you go from one section to the next section to the next section. But what it did was it focused on the specialist. So it had people who could do everything. So you can do muscle-ups, you can clean and snatch heavy, and you can sprint and row long, just whatever. Yeah. But they have the people who can do more muscle-ups than everyone else or can clean and snatch more than everyone else or rep out ridiculously high weights better than everyone else. And I think eventually that's kind of maybe where it'll go again and then I think it'll do full circle and just come back to where it's at again now. Good. I think clearly CrossFit's here to stay. Everyone thought it was going to be a bit of a, a fad, but seeing the top guys who can back spot 500 plus pounds and then can run sub five nearly sub four minute miles as well it's just everything the textbook says you can do yeah or can't do they're they're doing it and so i don't think i think more and more and more people are just going to come in to do it yeah okay we got a a kind of a flavor of this from owen when he was in and we we're talking to him about perpetual and what kind mm -hmm. of stuff you do and so and perpetual might be the model example for your answer but 
the question I have is a, a high performance environment. What's, if I say to you, describe a high performance environment or define it, how would you describe it? Or what, what are the, the basic requirements for that? I think definitely facility comes into it to a degree like you, much like yourselves, you want to have a nice facility that's well laid out and it's clean. Um, number one, uh, I think the whole old school garage, West Side Barbell thing, it's not applicable anymore. Um, if you want a powerlift or Olympic weightlifter only, then maybe, yeah, but I think if you're dealing with everyone from all sorts of backgrounds, you, you need a nice clean facility. Um, I think a lot of people, whenever they think high perform or what was the term you used? High performance. High performance, yeah. A lot of people think of literally high performers in sport. In, institutes and sport. Only and sport. Yeah. Whereas in Perpetua, we would have a lot of high performers in business. Yeah. So we've got CEOs and MDs and whatnot and all that sort of thing. And so while that's still high performance, it's very, very different. Yeah. So they don't come to the gym to get better at their sport they come to the gym as either a release from what they perform highly in or as something just a social gathering and they get a bit of exercise to tick the box there as well yeah and keep them fit and healthy um so i think then a lot of the time what makes it a high performance facility is the facility the clients to a degree and the coaches who know how to deal with the right client so if we have Someone who's a CEO comes in and in the same class, we have an Irish rugby international come in. The coach needs to know how to deal with both those people in yeah. the same class and push them appropriately. Scale. And yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's what's going to tick the box to make it a, a high performance facility. Very good. Let's get some difficult questions. A couple of quick fire questions. Let's go. If James Rankin could go back five or 10 years in his life, would you would you do anything different? I'd probably ask more questions early on. Um, as quiet-ish, whenever I was younger, I wouldn't be as confident approaching people, talking to them, asking why they do this, how to do that. Yeah. Um, I suppose a little bit proud. I wanted to kind of do it on my own. I watched YouTube videos on how to squat and bench and deadlift. and So I'd probably ask more questions early on, yeah, definitely. Okay, now myself and Connor are really fortunate. We just got a voucher mm. booked into reception there that we have a, a session with you tomorrow. We get to do the ranking workout of the day. <laughs> so what's in your workout of the day? If I could pick anything, it would be something with uh, deadlifts and handstand push-ups in it. So there's a famous CrossFit workout actually called Diane. Have you heard of it? I have not. 21-15-9. Yeah, I've done it a few times. Yeah, deadlifts and handstand push-ups. Mm. I fancy myself on that one against most people. Can you do those handstand push-ups? I can, but uh, not really. <laughs> it would take me a long time. Be here for a few weeks. Yeah, that would be the go-to. Yeah. Um, I've, se I've seen on your Instagram you tend to read a lot. I love it. And something we've asked a lot of people is, give us your, your favourite book and maybe away from your favourite book also a favourite quote that you might have. So could you share the two of those with us? Favourite book, um, I'm reading one at the minute by a guy called Logan Gelbich. He's a, I suppose I would describe him as a CrossFit coach and uh, I suppose a, a, an influencer of sorts. He owns a gym in LA called uh, Juice and he wrote a book called Going Right, a logical justification to pursuing your dreams. Um, and while it's not all about 
chasing the fairy tale job or whatever. He, he kind of breaks down how whatever it is you want to do, it's not less safe than the safe corporate job that you have. Yeah. And uh, it's something I really, really enjoyed. And a favorite quote, probably, oh, I'm going to butcher this, but I think it was Bruce Lee said it like, uh, take what is useful, ignore what is not, and add what is uniquely your own, something along those lines. And that's kind of like whenever you asked me that question earlier about what screens do I use, I, I've looked at FMS and all those other ones. And yeah, Patron Spin. Bit of this, bit of that. Don't like this, don't like that. And there's what I do. I try to apply that as all of my coaching, I suppose. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Last one from me. Let's go. About 50 years down the road. So I was going to say you've hung up your uh, your barbells and your handstand pushes, but you'll probably still be doing them at that stage. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. You look back on career, life in general, what would you like your legacy to be? And it's a tough one to try and answer. But... Um, I suppose, I think, I suppose further down the line, what I want to do is, is open moon facility. I'm in no rush to do it. It's five, maybe 10 years down the line. I kind of want to, really hone in my craft and get really well known for what I do. I don't want to be famous or popular on Instagram, but I just want whatever community I'm working in, whether it's Dublin or Derry or anywhere else in the world, that that area knows I'm the person to go to for that. Yeah. So suppose then that's what I want my legacy to be. It's like James helped your granny and your brother and your favourite athlete. Yeah. And that's it, yeah. Good goal to have. Hopefully, it comes yeah. true. Yeah, definitely. Keep working. I recently read um, about the Roger Roger Bannister effect that how nobody could break the four minute mile and then everyone was breaking it in the next five or ten years and we've seen that in CrossFit. Mm -hmm. And you're a guy that's doing it, James, with each and everyone that's coming into the door in Perpetual. You're helping them evolve as 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 a CrossFit athlete or as an athlete or a sports person, but also as a person because they're feeding off your good vibe and your energy. And, and I've seen that even walking in through in through the doors down there. So it's a testament to you as a person. So thanks very much for coming in today to myself and Connor. We've really enjoyed it and wishing you all the best moving forward. Thanks very much, Austin. Cheers, James. Cheers.